0: Hello, hi, Rock. Welcome to our daily devotional. We're continuing with our walk through the book of Isaiah. And yesterday, uh, in our devotional yesterday, we talked about this pattern of there being a warning followed by a promise. And we dealt just with the warning yesterday. And so this is the promise that is to follow. And as is often happening with Isaiah, more and more, this promise leads into an ultimate promise about a Messiah that is to come. So we're in Isaiah chapter 9, and we're just going to read verses 1 through 7. So Isaiah chapter nine, one through seven. Nevertheless, that time of darkness and despair will not go on forever. The land of Zebulun and Naphtali will be humbled, but there will be a time in the future when Galilee of the Gentiles, which lies along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea, will be filled with glory. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel and its people's its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoiced at the harvest and like warriors dividing the plunder. For you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. And this is the word of the Lord.
1: Thanks be to God.
0: Well, as I said uh, yesterday, we were um, we did the first half of the pattern, the warning, and here it says, "In the midst of this darkness," Isaiah says, "There's something that's amazing that's coming, amazing that's coming." And uh, one of the questions that came up in uh, in uh, online, someone had written in a comment, um, was the question about you know, we, we've we talked about there being like a near-term partial fulfillment and then an ultimate fulfillment. And the question was, what was the near-term fulfillment of this promised holy seed for the people living at the time? You know, King Aas is hearing this. What what does he see as the near-term fulfillment? We talk about the Messiah, but what was happening then? And the answer really is, I, I think is, well, we don't, I, and I certainly say, I don't know, Um, Some people have thought that it was a pregnancy that led to a birth, the birth of Hezekiah, who became king later on. And this would make some sense as the enemies to the north, remember, were trying to come to the south and put their own king upon the throne, uh, perhaps because there wasn't, uh, perhaps Ahaz at the time didn't have a male descendant who could sit on the throne. And so that would have ended this promise to King David that someone from his line would sit on the throne Forever and Ahaz was in the line of of David. But as people have looked closer at the timeline, the best guess is that Hezekiah was probably 10 years old at the time of that promise. And so that doesn't seem to be the fulfillment. And one possibility is that Isaiah seems to be more and more focused, not on what's happening in the near future, but what's happening ultimately in the future. So he just doesn't fill in a lot of the details for us because more and more of his attention, as we'll see. Um, going forward, more and more of his attention is devoted to this Messiah figure who will later on even be this suffering servant that we'll get into later. Um, so as Isaiah has a lot to say about the Messiah and probably more than any other person uh, before Jesus. It's why when you listen to Handel's Messiah, so much of the, the words from those songs is actually lifted straight from Isaiah. But, but today in this passage, we're moving beyond the promised branch, beyond the promised seed to now this image of a, of a son. And the the thing that's most interesting to me or one of the things that's most interesting to me is just this in this verse one where it says in the land of Zebulun and Naphtali. So it's basically up in the north, uh, which is the land that's uh, the enemies of the southern kingdom of Judah. And it's the area that's going to be first conquered and, and cursed. And so it's interesting that the promise comes there and it mentions the way of the sea, which is literally the road that runs from Jordan to the Mediterranean And this is the road by which, uh, later on, the famous towns of of Bethsaida, Chorazin, and Capernaum were right next to that road. It's where Jesus did the vast majority of his miracles and spent the most time in his ministry. will be right in this very scene where Isaiah is saying that's where the Messiah's glory is going to be revealed, in Galilee of the Gentiles. One of the things that's very clear is that this can't be someone who was... uh, happening in King Ahaz's day, because it says that this is someone uh, on whose, well, first of all, that he's going to be this great king, but also that uh, his government will never end. His rule and fairness, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of ancestor, of his ancestor David for all eternity. So this is clearly pointing to the Messiah, not any near-term king that was uh, coming about at that time. I I guess the last thing I want to point out about this is uh, this last verse where it says, that is the passionate commitment of the Lord that will make this happen. Um, it reminds me of the prophet Zechariah when he says, uh, quote, you know, speaking for God says, not by might, not by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord. The things that we truly want in life, the things that we are most tempted to fight for, uh, in the end can only be given to us by God. We can receive them only as, as a gift. And I, I love the the Hebrew word here, kana, Um, Because it refers to the color that comes into a person's face when they feel passionate intensity, uh, whether that's a positive emotion or negative emotion. And so I can just, you know, I love this image here of God's face being filled with emotion and that that deep commitment, that passionate intensity is what is going to bring about all the good things that we deeply desire. As much as we might desire them, God desires them even more. It's just that we have to trust God for these things to come about. So, Dave, I'm wondering what you see in today's passage.
1: You know, what I think of uh, is that that famous um, line from uh, the uh, called Chekhov's Gun, right? It refers to this uh, this playwright who had instructed that uh, there should never be a rifle on the stage unless it's gonna go off before the end of the play. Uh, and it was a, a way that he was trying to instruct people on how to to set up a story and build anticipation and move the plot forward. I'm thinking about that as I read this because that's what I see happening here in all of Isaiah, really, but especially here in, uh, you know, in this passage we just read in chapter 9, where Isaiah is going to be dropping all these little clues that make no sense. We, we have no idea what the significance of some of these things are now. You know, in Isaiah's time, people just are reading them thinking, I, 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 you know, what does that mean? And what is he referring to? But later on, all of those details are suddenly going to have very different significance, right? And I, I think about the fact that, uh, for example, we're going to find out through the prophets that the, the Messiah is going to come from Bethlehem. And he's going to come from Nazareth. Well, that's those, those are both interesting possibilities, but they're mutually exclusive because those are different places, right? You can't have both. And, and so, which is it? And suddenly this almost becomes an impossible person those are just two of the things there's like 300 something prophecies about the Messiah but we I've just mentioned two right and we, we see here in uh in verse one that we read uh, there'll be a time in the future where when Galilee of the Gentiles which is along the road that runs between the Jordan and the sea will be filled with glory well Galilee okay that, that's great but that's that's not where Jerusalem is and and so how does all of this fit together and and that the reason I'm telling you this is, So often as we're reading the New Testament stories, especially around Christmas, we're reading the New Testament stories and we're wondering, why are we telling these stories? Why are these details being included? God, the God of the universe just showed up. This seems like a big deal. Why are you telling us all these little details about a census? And I mean, who cares? Is that really the point? This is actually why it's important because what the New Testament writers are doing, they're writing to people who do know all of these promises and in fact know why all of these promises are a little problematic because they're impossible and and so what what the, the new testament writers are telling us is hey you remember that one promise about this you remember that other promise about that see how these now come together right so that well yes the family's from nazareth the baby's born in bethlehem because of this census and then after going to egypt and back they're going to go back to nazareth you see both of these things are actually fulfilled in one person. And again, that's just two of the 300 different factoids that Jesus has to fulfill. And that's why I think some of these passages that on their own don't seem so significant, it's it's taken in the totality. It's saying I'm going to do this amazing thing, this impossible thing, and then actually doing it, right? That makes you go, wow, that wasn't just a lucky coincidence. That, that was careful planning. That was incredible love. And, and so that you know, I, I, that's verse one. and verse two, I hear something similar, right? We, we read, the, the people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in the land of deep darkness, a light will shine. Well, what does that sound like? I mean, immediately, that sounds exactly like what we read always during Christmas. You know, a light has shone in the darkness, but the, the darkness has not overcome it. It's talking about Jesus. And so we're gonna see that all of these Old Testament allusions are gonna become so important to us. As we approach the Advent season, we start reading these stories all this reading that we're doing now is actually going to make a big difference. The last thing I, I want to say about all this stuff, uh, you know, I read this whole thing about um, verse six: a child is born to us, a son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and peace will never, and its peace will never end. And I gotta admit, when I read that as a sort of modern American. That's a little underwhelming to me, and I think the reason is when I think of the government, you know, we we elect a new president each you know every four years, and every time we have all these hopes like you know hope and change, you know what I mean, all this kind of stuff, and we 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 see all these uh, these kind of aspirations in in these new presidents, and pretty much it's about the same thing, you know, it's a new president. Same administrative state, same crazy bureaucracy, same self-dealing, injustice, backroom deals. Yeah, new president, same same old story. And and I think as modern-day Christians, too often we get sucked into the the false belief that if we get the right government in place, well, everything's going to be good. And so we just got to elect the right person and get that party out cuz they're they're stinky and evil but these guys are going to bring about righteousness and it never works that way. And as Christians I think we need to stop being sucked into that. It doesn't mean we don't participate in the political process. It means that we don't hope that our salvation will ever come from there. Ever. Human governments are run by sinners. In fact, really the the, the if there's a genius to the American governmental system is that it takes seriously the fact that we are also sinful that it tries to then acknowledge that and pits our our self-interest against each other right it, it sort of leverages our sin to try to minimize injustice but but that's the best any human government can do because we're all so sinful and i think that there's this invitation in this passage and i think for all of us christians today to trust in god trust that he's the one who will bring you know be the prince of peace his rule uh, he will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor david for all eternity so that i can live in an unjust world in a just kingdom right and this is why we talk about the kingdom of god is it's it's not like hey in one country we're run by you know communism and another one by you know american democracy and another one by god's kingdom no no it's not like that it's god's kingdom is this whole other way of understanding truth and peace and finding our identity. And so I can live in any of these other governments, you know, in in human governments and be living in the kingdom of God. And I think that's the invitation for believers. And we want to then keep it inviting whatever kind of government your country happens to be under. Great. Let's invite people to find their citizenship in God, find their allegiance to God. Uh, That's what I'm seeing is being promised here, right? This entirely new kingdom, a new citizenship, a new constitution that all of which Jesus is going to bring us. That is, I think, what what Isaiah is promising.
0: Hmm. Well, the examples you bring up uh, serve as a good reminder that um, we're going to need God to do this. Like it's the passionate intensity of God that's going to have to accomplish it because when we do it, it ends up as a disaster. Yeah.
1: Amen to that. Amen. Well, Dave, I'm I'm wondering if you would be Oh, I'd be happy. Let me let me close yeah. this. For God, we acknowledge how often we have trusted in humans for deliverance, for peace, for hope, for justice, and they always disappoint. And God, we, we repent of that. God, we put our hope in you alone. We do this in the name of Jesus. Amen.
0: Amen. Well, thank you, everyone, for joining us. I hope that God will shine a light into your darkness if you're experiencing that today. And I hope you're able to join us again tomorrow as we continue with Isaiah. Go in peace.